You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today we're going to talk about the scapegoat straw that broke the goat's back. I've been doing a series on the scapegoat, talking about ending the pattern of being a scapegoat. Like any other pattern in life, being a target for other people's toxic garbage to be dumped on is a pattern that we need to take responsibility for and stop it from happening. Now, I've talked about what a scapegoat is in past episodes and the history where the term came from. Just a little reminder, the term scapegoat comes from an ancient ritual where the community cast all of its sins and burdens upon the back of an innocent goat and then sends it out into the wild to die, thereby absolving them of their sins. They feel better after dumping all of their inner heaviness upon the goat. But of course, the goat doesn't feel better. It feels worse because it's been burdened with all of the toxicity in the community. We are often born into a scapegoat role. When we find ourselves being blamed by a parent or other family member for things that have nothing to do with us. When I was a small girl, My stepfather, who evidently set a rule for me not to play in the water, heard the water running behind the pump house. And my grandmother was washing my baby sister's diapers in the outdoor faucet. And I was standing with her jabbering about this or that. I was just four years old. I could hear him yelling and coming for me. And when he walked around the corner of the pump house, he saw my grandmother washing the diaper and she said to him, it's just me, I'm washing the baby's diapers. Of course, seeing that I wasn't playing in the water didn't change his mood. He still wanted to lay into me, even for imagining that I was playing in the water. I just hid behind my grandmother who offered me protection. This was a theme that would follow me throughout my life. I learned early in life that it was my fault. If someone was upset around me, it would somehow be my fault. I was the target for the class bullies, for my brother, my stepfather, some of my teachers, and ultimately in many of my closest relationships. It was only recently that I started to truly recognize this theme in my life. I hadn't really recognized that there was a part of me that believed I was somehow to blame for other people's negative feelings. I was always trying to make other people happy and take care of them emotionally so they wouldn't find fault with me. If I was good, then they couldn't see me as wrong or bad, right? Well, wrong, it doesn't work that way. It didn't matter how I showed up it was still going to be my fault. If something went wrong or if that person was emotionally upset, it was going to be my fault. Although I've done a ton of work on myself beginning at the age of 19 when I entered therapy for my eating disorder, I was still missing some pieces. I had not fully recognized or understood the scapegoat syndrome. 
nor did I recognize the places where my boundaries were still weak. I began to recognize the scapegoat syndrome in the past couple years, and in the fallout of my last relationship, I was beginning to see the areas where my boundaries were still weak. I was still in many ways allowing the scapegoating and trying to convince the scapegoater of my innocence. Of course, when a scapegoater is invested in you being the dumping ground for their toxic emotions, this isn't likely going to change. They can't see you for who you are. They only see through the lens of their own unhealed wounds. I had identified several areas where I was being scapegoated and was working on healing this within myself by refusing to take responsibility for something that wasn't mine. Even if I was being told it was my problem or my issue or something I did or said or didn't do or didn't say, ultimately my refusal to allow the scapegoating ended several of my significant relationships, including my primary relationship. There was the proverbial straw that broke the scapegoat's back and I just snapped. I was finished. I simply was not going to allow this kind of toxic behavior, dissing responsibility for one's own emotional landscape and projecting it onto me. I wasn't going to allow this to continue in my life anymore. And perhaps it takes one too many straws to bring us to this point when we're finished. I know this is how it has been in all of the abusive relationships I've had in my life. I tolerated the abuse and attempted to set boundaries for a period of time, but there was always the last straw. That last straw is our friend. It's the messenger that comes to tell us that we don't have sufficient strength to carry any more weight. This is where we have to shake off all that weight off our back, dump it onto the ground, and run off into the forest, leaving the community to deal with their own crap. There's a certain feeling of freedom that comes with dumping what isn't ours to carry. But on the other hand, there's a sadness for the loss of the connection. There's grief in realizing that our greatest value to that person was as a trash receptacle. We have to work hard to value ourselves and lift ourselves up to a much higher place. We're worth so much more. We never deserve to be a trash receptacle. This is not our purpose in life. We have to reclaim ourselves, our goodness, our worthiness, and embrace a healing path to fully restore our self-love. Or in many cases, to find that love for ourselves for the very first time. Although I had a pretty strong self-worth and self-love, there were still some places that I was weak. And we're all likely going to find this on the healing path. We all have weaknesses. I began a deeper path of healing and understanding boundaries and what they really mean. I came to realize that we set boundaries from a place of really knowing ourselves and knowing how we feel about what is happening. If something doesn't feel good or right, we need to set a boundary. And we do this by communicating to the person that is overstepping or blaming or hurting us in some way that the way that they are talking to us or acting doesn't feel good. 
Well, with narcissistic people, they don't care about our feelings. It doesn't matter to them if how they are talking to us doesn't feel good for us. This is why we can't have relationships with narcissists. They don't care about how we feel. And if we grow up in an environment where our feelings were not important, they weren't considered or supported, we learn that our feelings just don't matter. So if someone is trampling all over our feelings, we can normalize such behavior even if it doesn't feel good. And this becomes a pattern. This becomes the scapegoat pattern is to normalize abusive scapegoating behavior. As we learn and grow, we come to a place where we realize that our feelings are important. They do matter. And it's not okay for people to trample on them. If we speak our feelings and the person we're attempting to communicate our feelings to invalidate us, it may feel familiar, but it's still not okay. What I came to realize happens when we attempt to set a boundary and that boundary is ignored or trampled on is if we don't follow through with an action, we're only invalidating our own feelings and grow resentful of the people who are invalidating us. Of course, our resentment is alerting us to a deeper issue. But the healthier we become with our boundaries, the less those resentments will have the space and time to grow. For myself, I needed to learn to say, if you don't speak to me respectfully, I can't continue to be in relationship with you. And if they continue to be accusational or disrespectful, I need to follow through and end that relationship, no matter who it's with. Instead, I kept setting boundaries and kept having them trampled on, all the while losing trust for that person and building resentment. Well, this becomes a toxic environment. On the path back to self, we don't want to remain in relationships with people whom we don't trust or who we have unresolved resentments, resentments that can't be healed because that other person is not interested in healing. Letting these relationships go is the healthiest thing, even if you feel attached to them in some way. In our close personal relationships, we need to adopt a three strikes you're out policy where you give someone three chances to honor you and your boundaries just so you can be sure that you're communicating honestly and directly. So this is about you getting and gaining experience with your own communication of your boundaries. If that person still continues to scapegoat you or disrespect you, it's time to walk away. As I do more research on boundaries and feelings, I came to recognize that I was so used to my feelings being ignored or invalidated that it was simply normal for me. I'd not learned to really follow through in using my boundaries to set up protections for myself and my inner child. I did have many strong boundaries, which made me believe I had good boundaries. And in many areas I did. We all have healthy parts to us, and then we also have unhealthy parts to us. This applies to most humans on the planet. We all have areas where we can grow and become healthier. But when you come from a narcissistic family system or a really dysfunctional family, you have to work harder to be healthy. You have a lot more to overcome.
a lot more toxic patterns to break. Our unhealed wounds become the magnets that attract others that have unhealed wounds. And this is why we have to work so hard to heal our wounds in order to attract healthier people into our lives. And I'm fortunate to have a lot of beautiful, healthy, loving people in my life. These are relationships that I've developed from my evolving, healthy self. These are with people where there is mutual caring and respect. But the still unhealed aspects put out feelers for the mirrors who are going to show them to me. So these mirrors that come in and reflect toxicity in some way are showing me what is yet to be healed. It might be showing me that I need to set a stronger boundary or I need to learn to walk away or I need to learn to speak up or defend myself in a different kind of way, take care of myself. There's a lot of things that we can learn when these negative mirrors show up in front of us. Life always brings us the opportunities to heal what is still in our shadow. The truth is we can't have healthy relationships with unhealthy people. We can't have healthy relationships with unhealthy people. So when we attempt to have a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person, we ultimately are pulled into that person's toxicity, drama, chaos, and dysfunction. And if we don't have really strong boundaries, we're going to be pulled in. It's our ability to recognize the dysfunction early by staying tuned in to our own feeling selves and recognizing when something doesn't feel right or good, that we can erect those boundaries. Really unhealthy or narcissistic people won't respect your boundaries. So if they say or do something that doesn't feel good and you tell them how you feel, they're not likely going to take you seriously. I'm sure you've experienced this. If you take yourself seriously, you will say no to that relationship. And this is what I've learned. We can prevent a lot of toxicity and dysfunction from ever really entering our lives when we have truly strong emotional boundaries. We have both internal boundaries, which are the ones we set inside of ourselves for our own protection, and we have external boundaries, which are the ones that we set with others, and both are equally as important. An internal boundary may be the acknowledgement of our own feelings, thoughts, beliefs, and reactions to others. We're responsible for taking care of ourselves and the environments that we place ourselves in. Others never need to know about our internal boundaries. Our internal boundaries may even be how close we stand to another person or how much we trust somebody or our intuition about another person that we might choose to avoid. It's also a boundary around our own vulnerability and safety. The stronger our internal boundaries, the stronger our external boundaries can be because we need to have that strong inner core first and foremost. We have to be our own cheerleader. We have to be on our own team. We have to stand up for ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. And this is self-love.
This is why the path back to self is the most important path we can take. It's the path of true self-knowledge and self-understanding, self-care, and self-love. Without these things, we leave ourselves vulnerable or exposed to being hurt and targeted by others. Another thing I've come to realize is that because I was scapegoated in childhood, I withdrew into loneliness and isolation. I became the invisible child. If I was not invisible, I could be the target for the anger other family members were experiencing. So I spent a lot of time alone. The narcissist in my family rarely gave me any positive attention at all. My stepfather gave me positive attention for doing a good job when I worked for the family farm, so I learned I could receive positive attention for working hard. But once again, this is only reinforcement that my value as a human being came not in who I was, but in what I did and what I did well. The lack of positive attention as a child really set me up to hunger for that positive attention as an adult. And who's the most likely candidate to sweep into our lives with an abundance of positive attention? That's right, the narcissist. In the beginning, we can do no wrong. We're idealized, we're put on a pedestal. But in the end, we can do no right. We're devalued. In the end, we realize the narcissist doesn't really love us. They don't really adore us. They've fallen in love with a fantasy that was projected upon us. And when we don't act like the fantasy person, they're very disappointed in us. The love from a narcissist was never based on me being loved for who I am. It was based on how well I could play the part of his fantasy woman. And I didn't even know who that woman was. In the end, it certainly wasn't me, and I certainly didn't measure up. I'm sure this fantasy woman supplied him with a constant source of admiration, attention, adoration, sex, and love without ever setting boundaries or expressing her own feelings, needs, and disappointments. There's no room for real people in these kinds of relationships. They are fantasy relationships that are destined to fail. Even if the initial fantasy partner stays in the relationship after being devalued, the relationship has already ended, and now that person's just going to be a whipping post for the disappointments of the narcissist. Those of us who stay in relationships hoping we can get back to that idealization phase have another thing coming. We make the critical mistake of believing that the idealization phase of this kind of relationship is the core of the relationship. And even though there are disappointments and setbacks, we can always get back to that core. What we have to realize is that the true core of such a relationship is a very deeply troubled and wounded person who's so deeply insecure and so filled with self-loathing that these feelings will ultimately be projected upon the nearest and dearest. At the core is deep wounding. 
And it is the wounded parts of ourselves that dance with the wounded partner. We may resort to old codependent behaviors of people pleasing, fixing, rescuing, enabling, defending, proving ourselves, withdrawing, being sucked back into the dynamic, taking re responsibility that isn't ours, and other unhealthy coping mechanisms that we learned in early childhood. Eventually, we have to come to the realization that it's never going back to what we initially believed it was. We have to get real. And the sooner, the better. If you've listened to past podcasts, you will know I've had to walk away from very significant family members whom I loved deeply and recently had to walk away from another relationship. But each time I walk away, I'm saying no to scapegoating and abuse and yes to self-love. In the end, we build a much deeper trust with the inner child who depends on our healthy adult self to keep it safe. It may hurt for a while. We have to grieve our losses and process through the insanity. But in the end, we are better, stronger, and much more authentic. Ross Rosenberg, who wrote The Human Magnet Syndrome and offers the Codependency Cure Workshop, tells us that when we begin our healing process from codependency and start setting boundaries, that we will lose 80% of the people in our lives. This comes from a pretty deep codependent pattern where everyone in your life is a narcissist or a flying monkey of some sort. For me, this hasn't been the case, um, and this is because I've been on a path of healing my codependent patterns and learning to set healthy boundaries my entire adult life. I lost a lot of people in my life along the way, and after my first narcissistically abusive relationship, I lost most of my social circle. Even though I still had some unhealthy primary relationships, I've built a really strong and solid support system of people who are healthy, loving, respectful, and caring. And every time I fall, they are there to encourage me to stand up again. So I can't say enough about building a solid support circle. Another thing that I didn't identify within the Healing Codependency Workshop is that it is the pathological loneliness that Ros Rosenberg talks about. We feel that keep us returning to the narcissistic relationship. So I've spent years alone and I've come to really love my alone time. I've done a lot of traveling by myself, exploring, adventuring, writing. I've come to really love my solitude. And when I left my last relationship, I knew it would hurt for a while. But I would eventually get back to focusing on my relationship with myself and the solitude that comes with being alone. I'm not afraid to be alone. I need to really learn to bridge the inner child's tendency to withdraw and isolate out of self-protection with my healthy adult's appreciation of her solitude. 
Isolating and withdrawing may be useful at times in our lives, such as grieving and reflecting, but we also need others in our lives. We need to find that healthy balance between our time alone and our time shared with other healthy friends. When we attach to invalidating narcissistic or addicted people, there very well may be a period of withdrawal necessary when the trauma bond ends. This is because of early childhood attachment trauma. We're losing a primary or significant attachment and the old feelings of abandonment or rejection from a primary parent comes flooding back into our reality from the places that they were buried. This is an opportunity to heal this attachment wound on a deeper level. But we may have to be able to disconnect the wound from the recent situation and go back to the origins. This is an opportunity to heal this attachment wound on a deeper level. But we may have to disconnect the wound from the recent situation and go back to its origins. Like a therapist I once used to say, get his face off your pain. So we need to realize that it isn't necessarily this most recent person that is causing the pain, but rather triggering the pain, rather bringing that pain up from the unconscious. It's an early childhood wounding. Because the ending of the relationship can trigger old attachment trauma, we often think it is the person that we're breaking up with that is causing the pain when it really isn't. And when we realize this, we can deal much more effectively with the pain and trauma that we're experiencing. This is old archaic buried trauma and we need to feel it, deal with the loss, Pull the lost, lonely, abandoned, rejected, and isolated little child back from the dark dungeon that she's been cast into and give her all the love, attention, support, and care that she needs to integrate with our adult self. It's our role to make that child feel loved, safe, and supported. It's our job to protect her from further harm. I've had to remember that every time I allow someone to act abusively or scapegoat me, I'm allowing my inner child to be hurt again, and that's not okay. I have to protect her. This is my responsibility. And the more I take this responsibility seriously, the more trust she has in me, and the more she can feel free to express her authentic, beautiful self. So I'm grateful for the straw that broke the scapegoat's back because it isn't until that scapegoat realizes it can't carry any more weight that it shakes off all that weight that has been assigned to it and runs away from the scapegoaters free of those toxic entanglements. So I appreciate your taking time to take this journey with me. Thank you for listening and for all the hard work that you are doing to be your best self, your true authentic self, your empowered self. Together, we can step fully into the life that we deserve to live. 
Thanks for listening and have a great day.